Hi, and welcome to Dude Let's Make a Podcast, the podcast I created so I have an excuse to talk to my friends. My name is Jahan, and I'm the host of this podcast. And today, we're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons. So Dungeons & Dragons, or as it's more commonly referred to as D&D, is a role-playing game where a lot of it happens in the imagination, and the dungeon master, who is me in this case, writes and creates a whole world that the other players will create characters for. And I brought on two of my players today, and we're going to talk about what our experience has been like playing the game and how it's affected us as well. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves? hey This is Rauf. Is that all? <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm thinking on the spot, and I was like, okay, introduce yourself. Um, I'm Rauf. It's high. Interesting thing is, like, my name sounds like a wolf. So it's like, I go by my gamer tag, Wolfy Azim, you know, Rauf, Wolf. Maybe it's tell all the same to me. Let, me, let me. Let me help you out, okay? So it's like, that's, yeah. that's Rauf. He's been playing D&D for, I think, two to three years now as well. Two years, two years, about two years. Two years, two years. And, and also, interesting thing about him for D&D is that, so in D&D, you know, you create your character and the history and everything. And Rao's taking a step further and he's writing a full-length novel for his character based on the events that happened. Yeah, boy! <laughs> <laughs> you want to you wanna give a shout-out to where they find your book if they want to read it? Well, it's on Wattpad and the title currently is... Um... Give me a second. Let me check what's the title again. Because I, I, because it, it went through a few reworks, and then now I'm settling for. Ralph, this is your book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh no, <laughs> Wattpad's not loading. Okay, so the title of the book currently is Guardians into the Unknown. So it follows the backstory of my character, whose name is Alita, and how she got to where she is, uh, currently in the D and D campaign. Okay, cool. Uh, if I can, I'll try and include a link to your book in the description for this podcast. Not sure if I can do that. I'll give that a try. So, okay, so uh, Rahim, can you introduce yourself as well? Okay, so when you told me to introduce myself, I started to sweat really profusely. And I was like, <laughs> ah, trauma. <laughs> so, hi, I'm Rahim. Um, not that particularly interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. all I have. I'm playing a character called Nymphredil, which is like this 14-year-old kid who decided to join their campaign. Okay, so thank yep. you, know, let's, let's jump into character introductions then. So I think, Ryan, but not wrong for with our personal introduction side, right? You've been playing D&D for, I think, like now this will be like a second year, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. So let's go into character, character introduction. So could you both tell me a little bit about the characters you're playing in this campaign? And try and give me these things if you can. You know, tell me a little bit about their personality, about their story, what are their goals and what are their challenges? Would you like to go first? No, it's okay. You can go first. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> okay. So my character is... Uh, I have this particular interest in Wood Elves, even when I played Skyrim. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's my first part where I was like, I love Wood Elves so much. Even though there's no, there's nothing particularly like cool about them. It's just like being in a forest and I like elves. So that's why I like Wood Elves. Mm-hmm. And then he's a very curious kid. The concept behind this character is that uh, this was me. It's just like my younger self who has not been tainted by the world. And I was, and I love fantasy world. So just like, right. I'm going to put these two together and see what happens. So yeah, that's my character pretty much. Could you, could you tell me a little bit about like what's uh, Nif's story been so far and what is uh, his goals and challenges? Okay, so... As you all know, I am a player of Jahan's uh, campaign. He's been doing a lot of stuff to my character, mentally scarring him. So 
currently he has um apparently he lost his grandmother turns out his grandmother didn't die turns out his grandmother was being impersonate, impersonated by somebody else who told him to go on a journey and he was on his trip almost killed by an owl bear however Raul's character saved him and then they went on a whole journey where he's where he's pretty much has been seriously injured a few a numerous times and almost killed a few times also yep and his current goal in like the big like his big goal since he's a kid is to understand the concept of death okay cool and like and what and i think just last bit like what is our next biggest challenges right now currently is how to build a bomb so, yeah. so for, our, for our for our listeners, right? Like throughout our recent adventures, uh, Nifredil, who Rahim is playing, keeps trying to get ingredients for a bomb. So so far, he's gotten some stuff like sulfur and so on and so forth. Now, despite being the DM, I have no idea what he plans to use the bomb for. <laughs> so I'm just gonna let, leave that mystery for now. Uh, so let's let's go to uh, Ralph then. So Ralph Ralph plays the character of Alita in my campaign. So could you tell me a little bit about Alita? Like, you know, let's start off with, like, you know, what's her personality like? Okay, so in the beginning, what I envisioned Alita to be was, you know, the happy-go-lucky type, the party girl, who's just really all-round carefree, you know? Oh God, I feel so bad now. Yeah, because, like, creating the character of Alita was a whole process. Like, I was, like, I think I had, like, four or five different characters before I landed on Alita because I was, like, trying different races, different personalities and like different classes to see what actually fit with me personally and mm-hmm. finally i landed with alita and her personality so i thought it was a, a cool a, a nice change of pace for me because i usually play serious characters but yeah. so alita I, I i made her as a, a tiefling who was actually also a noble so growing up you know she's grown up rich you know and she has some daddy issues which are, you know, turned quite serious later afterwards. And her mom died. So she's off on a journey to, you know, find out some answers on her mother because her mother was actually part of this uh, organization called the Academy, which actually kind of like trains people how to be adventurous, how to kill monsters and stuff. But she kept that part of her life a secret from Alita. So Alita actually, was actually on a journey to figure out, you know, why did my mom keep this a secret from me. But as time went on, you know, and a lot of things happened in the campaign, Alita is now kind of like at a crossroads because she used to she used to have an idea of like how she wanted her life to go, but now it's like totally been derailed and like she's dealing with a lot of things right now and now she's like questioning who she is and what she's actually doing with her life right now, you know. So a very early midlife crisis for her. Okay. All right. So actually, I just, I just want to ask you something, right? So you said that, you know, you were playing around with a lot of like, you know, concepts and stuff and looking for something that fit with you, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so, so now for our listeners, right? As you, as you can tell by the tone of his voice, Rauf is male and Alita is a female name, right? So Alita is a female, a female tiefling who is homosexual in, in, a, in sexual orientation, right? Which is fine. Like, I actually love that and I, and I play into that a lot. But I'm really curious, right? How you decided that... Of a female homosexual thief. Okay, is what right. So, okay, I'm a huge fan of the Achievement Hunters. So, you know, I was like, I, I keep watching their videos like every night. Without fail, I'll definitely watch a Let's Play or something before I go to sleep. 
That's why I always notice that Jack, which is one of the the main OG guys from Achievement Hunter, he always plays a female. So it got me wondering, like, you know, actually these past few years in my video game characters, I've actually been transitioning to play more of the female, the female gender. Hang on, just pause a second, right? You know why yeah. Jack plays a female though, right? Actually, I have no idea why he plays a female. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, 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 okay, okay, just, just a quick pause, right? This is why Jack plays a female, right? It's because he said before, if he's going to spend 100 hours looking at the back of his character, he'd rather it be the ass of a female character than the ass of a male character. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay, if I had known that was the reason, I, I might have just gone with that reason in the first yeah, place. No, no, but I, no, but I, I love that Alita is who she is. Like, it's so much more fun to, to mess with her because she, she is the way she is. Yeah, because like, okay, we have another player in our group. Her name is uh, Caitlin. You know, so this past few games before this campaign, she's always played a character with a disability, you know, either person's mute or I, I can't remember what was the the first character that she made, but I think it was a mute as well. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I think she was yeah. a, a mute for, so, for something that. Something like that, I, I vaguely recall. Yeah, yeah so I got thinking like, yo, that's such an interesting character, you know, like it brings so much flavor to the party, you know, even though she's mute and she can't say anything, but it's still so much flavor to the party. So I was thinking, like, how can I, how can I take that a step further? Okay. So I'm playing, as I decided, okay, let me play a gender which I'm not. That's the first step. And how do I take that further? Okay, let's make her so homosexual, you know? Let, let's see how that goes. And we'll see how it goes from there, you know? Mm -hmm. Actually, honestly, I, I would argue that I think making her, making her gay, right, was something that helped you relate to her more. Because, because mm -hmm. like, it, it fits in, with, in line with you. They're like both you and Alita, both like girls. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, you could say that, yes. Okay, okay, cool. I think I think that's great. It's a fun little introduction to, <laughs> to who Alita is. So maybe I just like just one last thing before we go to our next our next point, right? What do you think is Alita's biggest challenge right now? Oof. I think it would be her biggest challenge right now. Probably her trying to get her temper under control is one mm -hmm. thing. Trying to be a little smarter and wiser in the way she acts. Mm. Okay. Because that's a, like a huge issue for her, man. Yeah, I think, I think that's cool. We're, we're, we're going to dive into that in a, a bit more in a short while. So I think for, for both of you, I can ask, like, you know, like, what are your favorite things about playing your characters, right? Because for both of you, like Alita and Nifredil are different from how you are in real life. Like there are similarities, but the characters are also distinctively different. Like there are things your characters would do that you may not do in real life. So mm -hmm. I'd like to say like, you know, like as a character, like as playing a character, what's your favorite things about playing your respective characters? For me, it's his curiosity. His curiosity knows no bounds, and I love that. And since, like, uh, me as a, the real person who's playing him uh, has to be mature about my actions, he doesn't. So he can do whatever he wants, and the people around him have to pay the consequence. That's why I love him so much. Although I think in our recent adventure, he's seen that there are consequences for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. And uh, and for you, Rao, what's your favorite thing about playing Alita? Ooh, favorite thing about playing Alita. I think it's just that, for me, I guess you know, with the way I do my acting with Alita is I do method acting with her, you know. So I really put myself in her place. But and when I do that, it kind of like transports me mentally, really into her shoes and like live a life that I would have never lived, you know. Same. Yeah, sure. You say it's like D&D is just words, man. It's just words and creativity. But 
for me, when I method act, I really delve deep into my character. So it feels like I'm living the adventure itself, you know? Same. So to me, it's my favorite part is just being Alita itself, just living the the adventure and the, the battles and stuff. That is what really like, I, I, I'm just in love with it. You know, just the feeling of being Alita itself. You know, I think, I think I'll say it to like both of your credit, right? Like I noticed when you guys are playing D&D and like, I'm always, even though you guys don't actually put on a voice for your characters that much, but like, um, mm. like, like, you know, like, like in the sense that like you guys, you don't change your voice, but the, your way of speaking just become different. But I can always tell when you're, when you're in character or not, because I don't know if you guys actually noticed it, right? But your body language actually changes a lot when you're playing your characters. I did not notice that. <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> okay, now this I want to hear. Okay, how does our body language change when we are playing our characters? I, I said, now that I've told this, you're going to become so self-conscious, you're not going to watch it. Okay. So I've noticed, no, 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 I've noticed no. that when uh, when Rahim is being Nif, right? Like he, when he speaks as Nif, he, he, he tends to, to, to like, like clo- hold himself in and try to become smaller. And you can see that like his hands are, are usually like, like a bit more down, like his head like starts to tilt up like an eager kid kind of thing. Oh shit. <laughs> Did not know that. Yo, I want to see that. I want to see that in the next game. And, uh, and, I, and I think for, for Raul, right, like, I it, yours is a bit more subtle. It's not like there's anything specific that happens, but you, 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 just, mm-hmm. you just suddenly have this different demeanor about you that like, like, like I think it's something like, you know, like your shoulders raise a little bit and you start to become a little bit more animated. Like when you're, when you're in Alita mode, right, all of your body language, mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it, doesn't become, it doesn't become a certain style, but it becomes a lot more exaggerated than when you're just talking as yourself. Mm. So yeah, I, th- I think I like that. Like, I mean, I, I like to follow a lot of voice actors on YouTube and stuff. And a lot of them say mm-hmm. as well that like, one of the good things about becoming a good voice actor is you act with your whole body, even though you're just using your voice. So I always, I always do like that when I see you guys do that. <laughs> oh, fun story. Uh, mm-hmm. Raul's mom wants Raul to videotape our record, our, our sessions. <laughs> I, we, have, we have them videotaped. I mean, like, we have them recorded. No, but she wants us to, she to see how we act. Like a video recording. Yeah. No, I, I don't mind. I'm, like, I'm game. So yeah, I'm because, like, the quarantine was, is over. That one time, yeah, there was that one time my mom was like, uh, was like sitting in my room and then I was like talking to her, like saying, oh yeah, I'm discussing with Rahim about like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. And then she, and then I was like explaining like how we were acting out one of the scenes, like how to, how we were trying to figure out how to act one of the scenes, like, if I recall correctly. Mm. Then she was like, wait, you mean you actually act out the scene? Mm. And I was like, yeah, we, we actually do that. Then she was like, oh, but can, can you like record the next <laughs> one? I, I really want to see like, how, how do you guys actually do it? I think, I think you've now confused your mom with D&D and laughing. <laughs> What's laughing? Okay, live so action live-action role-playing. Live-action role-playing. So, like, oh, right. okay, yeah, okay. So there, are, there, are, there are people, and like, I love to do this myself one day, that they take D&D a step further, and they actually do mm-hmm. use their characters in real life and stuff like that. So when, when, they're, when they're determining who is the battle, they actually battle. Oh, okay. yo, I would love that, man. <laughs> Rahim, you're going to get wrecked. Right. You're going to get surrounded. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay, so like, before I start going to like, the D&D discussion uh, as a whole, let me just ask you guys, like, just like a really quick one. What is your favorite mm-hmm. Alita and your favorite Nif moment? Oof. Okay, I have I, I have the answer locked down already. I, I know what this is. So for Alita, my favorite moment for her was when she actually found out and confirmed that uh, there's this character called the Baron uh, Ben Mosinatas. Okay, so she's like a, <clears throat> a Baron in the Empire. 
and she's uh, they met her while they were trying to rob her house. That was the <laughs> first time they actually kind of met her. And the first time that Alita met her face to face was actually in a battle uh, against quote unquote pirates. And at the end of that whole fiasco, that whole adventure, it was revealed that this Baron Mosinatas was actually Aggie, which was a character, which was a person who was on the same team as Alita's mother, who is Talia. So that whole moment where Alita is kind of like, kind of confirmed that this person is Aggie. And when Aggie is just so torn about uh, letting Alita go because she loved Alita so much that she was willing to set aside her values just to let Alita go this one time. And it really, really woke Alita up in terms of finally understanding what her actions have caused, you know, not just to the world around her, but pain to the people who loved her mother and loved her, you know? So it was, to me, it was a very powerful moment for Alita and was so far the best moment I've had for Alita. That was it. Yeah, I, I think I think on the DM side, like I was I was really happy with how that turned out. Like um like I'll just I'll just elaborate on it a little bit now. Like so yeah, so that moment went a lot like how um, Ralph described it. And then when I was trying to craft that moment, I was trying to think of something in the sense that um like from a like let's like it, 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 it was a combination of a lot of different things, right? Like from from one standpoint, like Aggie was a character that, that's a very powerful character of her own right. And at this point in the story. Like, I can't exactly make her, like, a part of the crew because she's just too powerful and things like that, you know? And at the same time, like, I also saw this opportunity for emotional growth for Alita because Alita had, had for a while now, been, like, in kind of free fall. That just due to anger at herself and anger at the situation, she'd been, she'd been, she'd very much had a death wish, you know, that she was really pushing on. And so when I saw these two things that came together, you know, I thought, actually, yeah, this is a really interesting opportunity, you know? So I then thought to myself, okay, how can I sort of create this scenario that I can try and, and get this message to Alita via Aggie? Now, in truth, as with D&D, nothing goes according to plan. <laughs> the original way I yeah. intended for Aggie to talk to Alita was very different. Then the party decided to just sidestep the whole quest and go straight to the boss battle. Hey, but not I. Anyway, I'm happy that's your favorite moment. So what about uh, you, Rahim? What's your favorite Nif moment? For my favorite Nif moment was when he met his grandmother again. Because for mm. Nif, he has no family. <laughs> his only family was his grandmother. And for the longest of time, he thought she died. Because the person who impersonated her said that she died. And said like how he must find his family. And like that's his clan name. And like how he got separated from his family. And for the longest of time, he's been trying to find that. And he says that he does. He's only pers- the only person who has been with him since he was a child was his grandmother. And even though the initial moment was, I was actually really disgusted by what I had, like because I don't know the whole story. And in the beginning, I was thinking that how why did she lie to me that she was alive? But it turns out she didn't lie to me. And I was like, wait, what's happening now? But then then today it turns out that she has never had an ill intention for him and that she just wants him to be safe and then there's like a whole family reunion and I'm just like ah Nif loves I need Nif needs more love right now 
so let, let me just explain that a little bit for our viewers. So Nif as a character, his backstory is that he was brought up by his grandmother in isolation in the woods. And one day his grandmother started to get sick. And after a few years, she passed away. And after she passed away, she left behind uh, for Nif some robes, as well as a message to go and look for his real parents. Now, the thing is though, right? Like, so for me as a DM, I'm always looking for interesting opportunities and stuff. So when, when Rahim came to me with this idea and he told me that there's a note left behind, my first question was, was there a body? Did, was her dead body there? Did Nif have to bury her? And then Rahim told me, I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. So I was oh, like, that's, that's the wrong <laughs> answer. Like, but I'm, I'm happy for it. <laughs> rookie mistake. So, so I, did a, I did a good old-fashioned uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> where the body vanished. <laughs> so what Nif has recently discovered is that his real grandmother actually had to leave three years prior to his, you know, quote-unquote, grandmother's death. So for the last three, three to five years of Nif's life, he's been living with an imposter who he yeah, had cared for when the imposter was, you know, quote-unquote, sick and things like that. When I found out, that fucked me up so badly. I almost vomited. <laughs> yeah, D&D is a very powerful... Because both me and Rahim are kind of method actors, so it is a very powerful thing, this D&D, you know? Like, Rahim... Like, even when he's, like, discussing those kind of conspiracy theories, like, after our games and stuff, he is like, no, no, I feel, I don't feel good, you know? He's, like, retching and he's, like, I, I feel like, like, he feels like he wants to vomit. For me, it's, like, during Alita's moment, it is so powerful that when Alita cries, I'm tearing up, you know? And, like, during the eggy scene, like, yeah, that was, that was a tear that just ran down my face, you know? It's that powerful. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, let's, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about, about D&D then and, and how we feel about the different uh, aspects of it. So for those of you that are listening that don't quite know what D&D uh, is, so D&D stands for Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's a very old um, tabletop role-playing game. And what that means is that basically that when you're playing D&D, right, it's not like a video game where you're controlling a character, and it's not like a board game where you're moving on a board. It's a game that really happens a lot in the imagination. It's where the, the Dungeon Master creates a scenario and an adventure, and you yourself create a character that will be placed in this adventure. So because of that, D&D becomes very freeform, right? That you can do things like, like pickpocket your friend if you want to, you know, and so on and so forth. So broadly speaking, there are, I, I feel like like classify D&D into like three distinct elements. You have like combat where you fight, you know, monsters or other creatures in D&D. And how we conduct this combat is based on the D&D rule books that helps to balance things out. Then there are also like role play mechanics. Like say, you know, you're trying to break into a, like a, a prison or say you're trying to convince someone to do something. So the books also provide mechanics for that. How do we roll and how do we balance this stuff? And then there's a third element as well, which is just like what we've been talking about, just really becoming your character and being in this living story. So this element I feel is really unique to D&D in the sense that, well, not just D&D, but other types of RPG games as well. But what I mean by this is that the story here is, is not yet written, right? They're like in a video game, you have certain choices, but all the endings are already written. But with D&D, that's not the case at all. The story can drastically change depending on what the players do. Because even though, even as a, as a DM, I can't predict what, what they're going to do. Like so far, I think pretty much in every adventure, they've surprised me in very interesting ways. And I've had to, have to pivot major plot points, I think one or two times now already. So I think <laughs> that, that living story is a very uh, unique part of D&D. So... You know, so now I've just covered that basically, you know, what do you guys feel about, how do you guys feel about these different elements? You know, what's your experience been with them? Right, you want to go first or how? Okay, so for me, my favorite part of 
D&D is definitely going to be the role playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I just really love putting myself in Alita's shoes and like acting out the scene. You know, it, it it's really fun for me. Combat is interesting too. You know, sometimes you you have the best laid out plans that can just go so wrong so fast or not have a plan you know? at all. Or not have a plan at <laughs> all. Yes, that's, that's that's more or less how we've been rolling. Not having a plan at all. Everyone's doing their own thing and we are suffering for it. You know, and I think I think that's that's fine for us because in terms of role playing wise, our group hasn't been together for that long of a time. So I still think that it's sort of us building up to team cohesion. I think we actually really do need like a cohesion. You know, <laughs> like even though we knew each other for two years, we've <laughs> actually seen each other physically like twelve yeah. times because it's like yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like we should all go out for dinner one day and just hang out. Oh, yeah, that would be so good. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah, thanks. Nice. Thanks. Uh, what about you, Rahim? What do you What do you feel about it? About the you know how it's played? For me, I just like the idea that it's in a medieval time, a time where there are forests almost everywhere. There's not a lot of factories, not a lot of like. Mm. It's just a different time than what we are living right now. Because mm-hmm. uh, as a person, I love nature, and in Singapore, there's no nature. Okay, there's kind of have like there's some nature but not the kind of nature i want in dnd is like you can hear the bird singing you can hear the birds chippy you can smell the damp forest floor and all of this is just like ah man i wish i could i could experience all of this so it's just like that's a nice change of scenery in my opinion that i really like by by what i've planned and so on you guys haven't even gotten to the exotic locations yet oh man (laughs) Oh damn! <laughs> All right. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I so I think I'll just add in my own thoughts here. I think for me, like I like that. I like the story element the most. Mm-hmm. Like, like I do. I do enjoy role play and I do enjoy the, like combat as well. Like, I, like it is fun to optimize and things like that. But I think I like the story in particular because like, like I, I I don't know. It's like there's something interesting, you know. Like I think for me as a DM, like when I write these stories for you and then I interact with with you guys, like mm-hmm. even if the story doesn't go according to how I planned it it still usually proceeds in like a realistic way. Like, you know, like, like there's no sort of like DSX machina where like a meteor comes and wipes out your enemy and things like that, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, there, there's still some like realism in the sense that things happen in a logical way. And, and I find that so fascinating to be writing a story that I don't know how it ends. Okay, now Jad, don't make me call a meteor down on all of us. Okay. <laughs> Can I just add on to, to sure. what Jahan was saying about uh, like things being logical, like, Proceeding in a logical way, proceeding in a logical way, you know. So when I first started playing D and D, logic was not my priority, you know. <laughs> so in in my head, if it looks good in a movie, it's gonna look great in Dungeons and Dragons. Nope, that was not it. That was not it at all. Oh dear. So I remember there was one of our adventures. Uh, <laughs> uh, not with uh, not in this campaign, but in one of the previous campaigns, we were free falling. Uh, we were free falling down a tower or something like that, and I had the idea, yo, let me like, let me like Spider-Man this thing, man. So I I took out an arrow while falling from while falling while free fall, tied a rope to it and then shot the arrow to the wall, and held onto the rope. And I was thinking like, this this is gonna stop me from falling. I, nope. I think I made you roll roll a check for that, right? I made you yeah. roll a strength check or something. Yeah, and I was like. Oh nope, nope. That that's that's not happening. Like the arrow just snapped, and I just like continued the flow. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, it sounded great in a movie. Real life, not practical at all. 
and like D&D, <laughs> you still have to kind of be like logical and like practical and stuff. Yep, that mm-hmm. that lesson I learned the hard way. Yeah, like, like I think I think it's like I always tell you guys, like like in this in D and D at least when the games I run, the only reason you will die is due to bad dice rolls or in or insane amounts of stupidity. Hmm. Mm. Um. <laughs> Interesting. That those are your two prerequisites. Okay, so that one, let me let me ask you guys another question out, right? Has D and D caused any changes in your personal life in any way? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I want to hear this. Yes. Let's start with Raheem first this time. Okay, so for... Okay, as a person, I was pretty shut off from the world. Okay, not really shut off from the world. It was more like... Uh, I have emotions which I don't really know how to comprehend. It's just there. And if it happens, I'm very confused. So what happened is that D&D, there's so many horrible things happening that you have to feel these feelings. And like, when you feel these feelings, you kind of have it unlocked. And you, as a person who feels for like the character itself you understand what those feelings are and then you when you go back to your own person you understand like hey i think i kind of understand how to understand uh, how to comprehend these feelings and how to express them and i was like damn dnd really be unlocking all my emotions right now and i'm being, i was very thankful that uh Ralph actually introduced me to dnd if not, I will still be confused oh, about dude, all that, my that's emotions. Awesome, that, that makes me so happy to hear that like you've had that experience in this game. <laughs> yeah. you, oh man. What can I say, man? DND, I, I remember the first time I, I saw actually the first time I played Dungeons and Dragons was when I was in primary school and it was the Dungeons and Dragons video game. You know? And it so was I, yeah, there was a video game on Xbox, the old dinosaur Xbox. There was a vi- video game called Dungeons and Dragons. I played that with my uncle, and I was like, "Yo, this is quite fun." But there was only like one of one of its kind. And then mm. later on, like I was watching like uh, Big Bang Theory, the Big Bang Theory, and Sheldon Cooper and his friends are always playing Dungeons and Dragons. So I was like, "This is such an interesting thing. Like, what is Dungeons and Dragons?" So I remember like. A, like a group of you guys were like talking about Dungeons and Dragons on one of the WhatsApp chats. So I was like, hey, can I ask, what is Dungeons and Dragons? And then the chat got really quiet. I think it was, uh, <laughs> I think it was Dave that asked, are you sure you want to go down this rabbit hole? And I was like, um, what? Okay, I just asked what it was, but it's so serious now. So I was like, do I... I mean, what do I got to lose, man? This is like, yeah, let, let's just go down the rabbit hole. Okay, yeah, okay. sure. Let's, let's, let's pause. Let's pause one minute. Okay. Monetarily, how much have you spent for D&D so far? Oh, um... Okay, let me, where's my box? <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Wait, sorry, <laughs> so I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, five, five or six sets of dice. So, uh, I've got a box that we DIY'd ourselves. So that was like, Rahim, how much did we buy the box for again? Okay, yeah, twenty dollars and around $20. the felt, the glue, quite a bit of money, uh, quite a bit of money. Don't forget the stickers the also we got from Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, yeah, yeah, and the headbook from you also. Let's let's get back on track a little bit. So, yeah, so you were saying yeah, like, so that was how you got introduced to D and D. Yeah, and like as I like I started to like like look through the handbook on like how to create a character and stuff, Dave. Dave was just like introducing me to the game. I went full on into the rabbit hole. I was like, 
I didn't wait for Dave. I was like, okay, open up the handbook. Oh my God, there's all these races and stuff. So it, it got me so excited. And I always have something to look, to look forward to like during those months because it's like, okay, I know after I finished, like, because that time I was in NS, I was serving my national service in the police force. So I was on shift work. So I knew, okay, whenever my shift ended on this day, I got Dungeons and Dragons. So I always got so excited about it. You know, I always had like a drive. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm almost there, almost there, almost there. So it was kind of like pushing me through my work week and stuff. My work month, month I mean. And mm-hmm. through Dungeons and Dragons, like, I managed to like create like bonds with people that turns out like I, I've become really good friends with them, you know. So it's like, like Dave like introduced me to D&D and stuff. And then out of the blue, like, I remember Rahim, how I introduced it to him, like, I, he was like there sitting outside the simulation room and I just like went up to him and I was just like <laughs> saying, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons before? You know, just randomly out of the blue, like there was no link at, or anything to the conversation. I said, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons before? You know, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, he went berserk. And, and I went was, like, berserk. we spent like so long talking about <laughs> it. And now like Rahim is like my like my best friend man, when it comes to like talking about Dungeons and Dragons and and like, a lot of other gaming stuff also. It like it helped yeah. me make friendships and like to be able to act and stuff like that. And it is it, it just like it really like gives me a lot of new experiences, man. Yeah. It makes me happy. Yeah, that I'm cool a nerd. to be a nerd yeah. now, man. <laughs> it's so cool to be a nerd now. Oh, I'm I'm so, so happy to, to, be a hear, nerd. to hear like you know that's your that's your story. That's that's, that's so nice to hear as the DM. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, John, how did you get into D&D? Uh, this, I don't think I've heard. Okay, so like, um, so I think similar to you, like I, I first heard about it from like Big Bang Theory and things like that, but I still didn't, I, I never looked into it. I still didn't understand what it was. I just assumed that it was like, like a game that like certain people played that were into like, you know, um, RPG and stuff like that. Like I've never been into, I've never been into the, the whole culture of like, you know, like, um, like Lord of the Rings, World of Warcraft. Like I've never been into, into that kind of deep lore stuff before. Mm-hmm. So when I first heard about it, it didn't interest me. And then my first time seeing it was that um, was like one of my favorite uh, YouTube groups, Achievement Hunters, started playing it. And they, and they played um, D&D for like, I think, uh, two seasons. Yeah, Heroes and, and like, Half-Wits. Was that the series? Heroes and Half-Wits. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. And watching them play it, it just looked like so much fun. Like, like then I really understood, oh shit, like this is what D&D is. Like, it's just... It's so open-ended, like, you know, it's, there's so much back and forth and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in particular, I really love, like, the DM they had, like, because he, he, he would go all crazy whenever he would voice an NPC. Like, he'd go full on the character, he'd wear wigs and outfits, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but after that, it was still, like, a full one and a half or two years before I started playing, because even though I now knew I wanted to play it, I still didn't know how to get uh, started. Because... Yeah. Um, I, I, I think this is because, like, I, w- I wanted to, I think one was, back then I was a, a bit more shy and so on. Like, you know, I, I didn't feel comfortable just going to a random group and asking them to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then I found out that Dave ran a D&D. So I asked, like, you know, can, can, I, be, can I join your next campaign? I've always wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, I, I joined his next campaign. And then uh, that's how it started. And then um, I, I think about fast forward two years later, and I decided I want to try giving a role, give a go at being a DM. And uh, yeah, that's sort of how I ended up here. Oh, cool. I thought D&D was only in the Western countries. I thought Asia don't play D&D. Because that's like the only place where you... Actually, I really don't know. Like, I mean, D&D nowadays with like Reddit and stuff, like I'm seeing so many stories about like people's like uncles and stuff that used to play D&D. And, and a, good, a good number of them are from like, you know, Asia and Southeast Asia. So I think it's just like there wasn't social media before and so on. So it's hard mm. to tell, you know, how popular it was. 
Kan like DSC used to be uh, yeah, right. the devil's game. Yeah, that was the whole DSCO. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yo, so, but I, I think <laughs> for D&D, the hardest part is always getting started with it. You know? Like for you, Jahan, you were like, saying like, you knew about it, but you didn't know anyone who played it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the same thing for, for me also. When I started off, I was like, it, it just happened to be by chance that someone in the WhatsApp group was talking about D&D and I was like, wait, 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 were they talking about D&D Dungeons and Dragons? Was that what that was? You know, if I didn't see that text, I was still like, would have been like, you know, like looking up like, okay, how does this D&D like really work? You know, like then I was like looking through the handbook and stuff by myself, you know, without a guide, which is going to be a lot harder, you know? Mm. And like, same thing for Rahim also. It's like, he's, he was definitely thinking about D&D and stuff like that. Until I finally like asked him like out of the book, hey, you heard about D and D? And then he's like, oh yeah, you know. So, mm. I for me, what I try to do now is I don't hide the fact that I play D and D. I don't hide the fact that I I write about D and D. So, so like whenever I meet new people, I'm like immediately telling them, yo, yeah, I play D and D, Dungeons and Dragons, and I write about it too. And they're like, oh, wait, wait, Dungeons and Dragons? Yo, can you explain to me like how does it work and stuff? You know. Oh, my cousin went to ask me about it and I was like, oh, come on, sit down. Let me tell you a story. And she's like around mm. 40 plus years old. <laughs> so I was like telling her all about it and she was like, that sounds really complicated. <laughs> just spread the word. Like even, even <laughs> spreading the word, just like, I, I mean, I just think it's a fantastic game. You know, I just want more people to be aware of it and to give it a try. It's, yeah. it's so Let's move on to, to, to the next topic I want to talk about, right? Now, I want to ask you, like, do you have like, I, there's a couple of questions I want to have, ask you, like as players and so on. Right? And I think we've covered a couple of these, like you know what gets you excited and things like that. So let me ask you now a little bit of a little, uh, slightly more negative one. Has there been anything I've done so far in the campaign, either me or Dan, that you've not liked? That's been a turn off for you. For you as DM, or oh, yeah, yeah, you go first. You go okay, first. Yeah, I have. It's not really something major. It's just um, the details, the detail part. Because spells, mm-hmm. there's a lot of spells in D&D. And it takes like, it's just so many spells. And then as a person, as a player, you kind of have like, you kind of understand the spells that you want to use. But as the D, I mean, I, this is why I understand that. It's very, like, it's okay for this to happen. It's because how can you pay so much detail to a lot of the spells just impossible it's just so much and then so that's why it's like as a character this was just in the beginning but as a character you have to really understand the spells and like explain to the dms what kind of what the spell does so that they don't take they don't misunderstand the spell itself mm-hmm. so that was my only thing mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that, no, I think I think I'll add on to that. <laughs> I think like, no, I'm, I'm glad I have like you know your understanding for that and so on that like you know that, that there are a lot of spells and, and so on and you know things like that. But I think looking back as well, like I could have done more preparation in that manner. Like like in general, when I DM, I'm very focused on the on the story and so and uh, more than the combat and the encounters. But I think especially when you guys were at lower levels, I definitely could have you know gone through the effort to read through your your spell sheets and things like that, or have, or at least have a, have a printout on my side to like you know, let you know. But, but I think these are just like things that you know everyone learns on all sides. So I'm glad you pointed out to me. Good mm-hmm. for me to know. How about you, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it's not uh, with the DM. Mm-hmm. For me, it's with players. You know? Mm. So, yeah, this, this is a touchy topic. Yeah. So, 
it's yeah. like for me i'm <laughs> really into the the role playing aspect of dnd you know and like you know you hear dm say sometimes don't mix role playing with combat you know but for no, me you should you should mix role playing combat yeah for me it's it's one in the same you know like how i am during role playing that's how i am going to be in combat so mm. from the experiences that my character has learned from the previous battles you know there's going to be a certain way that they act you know so when when my character does something it's from experience you know he's doing it based on his prior experience and i really don't like uh, for me i don't like it when people are questioning uh the decisions that my character is making you know i mm. i understand that you know combat can be like pretty frustrating at times and stuff but you know yeah like everyone it should be free to make their own decisions you know not yeah. forced to to adhere to someone else's strategies via meta gaming which i don't agree with and you know kind of like take you out of the experience of it yeah so just just a quick terminology thing so meta gaming basically means that like in game when you're like let's say for example you know alita is in a castle and uh, nif is on a ship right so let's say alita discovers something something important right she discovers that some soldiers are going towards a ship so what meta gaming is means that while we're at the table raul will tell this to rahim so then rahim knows that soldiers are coming to the ship and he'll act accordingly whereas technically speaking in the world there's no way for alita to have told that to nif So we call that meta gaming, where there's knowledge that the, the character shouldn't have because of real life interaction. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like you're watching a play, and then you know that World War Two is gonna happen, but the people in the yeah. play don't know that World War Two is gonna happen. I, I think yeah, I think you know, I get I get what you're what you're saying as well. Like, I think for me, I but I think this one, this as well is something that's that's a bit a bit more nuanced sometimes because I like I mean, so nowadays like the main sort of like gaming we have in the world is like video games, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of video games are based off D&D even even though they've evolved a long way. So I think one that's really similar to D&D actually that you guys both are both aware of is XCOM. Oh yeah. XCOM, yeah. XCOM we think about it is very D&D. You got a whole initiative system, you got the whole thing where you have when there's still a chance to hit an enemy even if you're right next to them, you know. A lot of things are very similar to uh, D&D. Oh, yeah, I didn't I realize about the chance thing until you just brought it up right then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Can I just say how can you yeah. have how can you have a ninety percent chance of hitting? You know, you know why natural one. Uh, okay, yeah. Raul, Raul, let, let me let, let me blow your mind. You want to know how else XCOM is like D and D? Yo, later on. D and D, you got your you got your move action, you got your your you got your move action and bonus, right? Yeah. Same thing in XCOM. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I got yeah. It's broke. Yeah, man, it's broken up into my move, my action, and then if I can, I got bonus action. Yep, yep, that's. You need to blow my mind, man. It's blowing my mind right now. The one that actually blew my mind was when Jahan said a lot of games are actually based on D and D, and it's like, wait, <laughs> oh D&D damn. So, so okay, so let, let, let me zoom back a little bit. So I think, I think because of that, now we're in an interesting era where a lot of people are coming from video games to role playing games, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think like in a video game like with XCOM, right? Like a lot of the joy is trying to get that that perfect round, right? Where like mm-hmm. you know you can you can get finish the mission, no one gets hurt, no one gets injured, and things like that. So I think sometimes players they bring in that mentality into the game, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because technically speaking, D and D is very combat oriented, you know, and like and a, a lot of other DMs do like you know enjoy combat and they really make it very puzzle like. So I think that you know I definitely agree and I understand like just I think because you and I are on the same wavelength you know we generally like role playing role more playing, than combat yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I, I think it's just different ways to play the game. But I can understand, you know, where the kind of frustration yeah. comes from sometimes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know. Okay. Now, let me, uh, so that was my questions for you. Now, do you have any questions for me as the DM? That What's in store for us, Jan? <laughs> What's in store for you? Yeah. If it's, is it going to be a lot, a lot of crying cry. for me? I hope so. I hope so. My, 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 you know, whenever, whenever I get you guys to cry, I take that as a, as a personal victory. Now, I know to my audience, this may sound very sadistic. I assure you, it's not. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so yeah, you know, there's there's some pain, there's some suffering, you know, there's also some happiness, and of course, there's loot. That's what's in your future. And there'll be a ton of loot. I love loot. <laughs> and, and if you have any, Rahim, any questions for me? Mm, how do you have a lot of plans? Like you have plan A, but then how do you create all of the other alternative plans? Uh, it, it's bold of you to assume I even have plan A. Oh! <laughs> oh, damn! Yeah, okay. because, like, a lot of our moves, like a lot of things we do, I can imagine like if that was me, I would like, oh my god, what have they done? You know, they have wrecked it, you know? Like right, I was yeah, irritated I by me. You know, that, that, would be, that would be, if I was DMing me, I would be irritated by me just because of all the things that I'm doing, like derailing the, the original plan and the original vision. So like, how, how do you do it? Like improvising on the spot, like what is the biggest challenge of it? Okay, so, so I think this is what I do. Like I think broadly, I, I, I sort of have two classifications for, for adventures when I create them. Mm-hmm. So one is what I would call a sandbox and the other one is what I would call linear. So when I'm doing a linear adventure, there's usually not that much space for you guys to, to do things, you know, and that's just because of like, like the nature of the story. Mm. So for example, like, you know, when you guys went to um, infiltrate like, um, the Merrick Corporation, right? That was a very linear adventure. You had one very specific goal and there were very limited options for how you're going to get in there. And once you were in there, it was a single straight line through one combat to meet, to get to your end goal and find out, find out the secret. So like for, for linear adventures, it's not that difficult because I, I know what's coming and like, yes, there can be some deviation, but usually I try to make sure that I've crafted the, the world in such a way for that adventure that there's not too much that can be done. And I try not to do linear adventures often because I like to give you guys choice. But sometimes I need to do a linear adventure because there needs to be a conclusion to what you've done. You know? mm. So that's one. But then, but then most of the time, I run sandbox adventures for you guys. So when I started doing sandbox adventures, I would do a lot of it. Like, so like, when I plan a sandbox, I would plan a general scenario. I would plan... I've got a start point, I've got an end point, and, I've, and I have to give you a reason to get from start to end point that's compelling, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, the one where like, you know, you broke into the, you, you stole from the bedroom when you first met her, right? The compelling reason was that you were on a timer. You only had till evening yeah. to find out how to get into the house and to steal, to steal something from her, right? Yeah. So that was sort of your, your encouragement. And then like in our, most, uh, in our most recent one, it was um, in a similar manner. Like, you know, you were trying to save villagers that were captured. You didn't know how long the villagers were going to be alive for, and you just had to try and, and save them. So in, in general, for like sandbox stuff, I try, and, I try and make sure there's a compelling reason for you to do something. But what I do then, right, is that I don't actually write the, the, the scenario. I, mean, I, don't, sorry, I don't write the story. I write the scenario. So I'll create the important characters, and I'll write down what this character's history and motivations are, right? And then I'll create a, a set of locations that I, that, that I know that are also important that you may go to and things like that. Mm. And, and the, so that's, that's two lists. I've got a list of characters, a list of locations. And the last one is a list of information. 
So the list of information are secrets that you can discover that will help you in the adventure or help you in the larger game. So usually what happens is that when you guys go off the rails, right, and you do something I don't expect, I will throw out the first two lists and I focus on the last list, the list of information that you can discover. And then based on that, I will on the spot ad lib and create something. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Following that up with another question, which is quite related. What is your biggest oh shit moment when when you were DMing for us? Like something that really caught you off guard. Like really, oh shit. I think I think I think the recent one was where um, one of your party members, Lavitina, gave herself up to the enemy. Ah, but 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 even then, ah. right? To be honest, it was entirely surprising to me because whenever Dave is playing, so Dave is the guy, is the person that's playing Lavitina. Whenever Dave is playing, I just expect something to fuck up. So, <laughs> so I, I sort of got used to that already. <laughs> I think. I, I, I think I, I remember there was a couple of big ocean moments. Here. Let's see. Um, in the first adventure, not much. Then this. Oh yes, yes, yes. I remember now. I remember now. <laughs> okay, I got it. The biggest ocean moment was this. So the group had the group was pursuing um, a person that is only known as the Purple Man, and they were pursuing him because they thought he was responsible for the destruction of their village. <laughs> now the thing is, right? I assume that they are they are logical, right? Even though it was hinted he's responsible, their village was destroyed by an earthquake. And what I had intended to be communicated was that the Purple Man knew it was going to happen. I didn't mean to imply that the Purple Man caused it directly, right? And the Purple Man was a very high-ranking government official. So they pursued him to a city, and when they were in the city, they were able to find out that he was going to leave the next day, and that he, and that he would take his ship with him. So I thought, right, that you guys were either going to ambush him at night, because he was leaving the next day, you were going to, like, um, you know, follow him, and, and like, like, those were the two options I thought about, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, what you guys actually did was that you followed him, waited until you were on open water, and then you attacked him. And like you, you had your ship shoot his ship. And I was just blown away by it because you'd already seen in the past that his ship had like a staff of 30 people on board. And I was like, oh shit. And, and, like, and like we had to end the session there. Originally, we had some combat planned, but we just couldn't proceed with it because the combat wasn't realistic anymore. So oh, I think that was the biggest oh shit moment because I was like, in my mind, it's like you, you just fired on, on a government official who did not directly attack you or hurt you in any way. Okay, in my defense, I wanted to ambush him. The rest of the team do not want to do that. Okay. So I'm like, I, I not my fault. Like, okay, for Alita, she's like going through a phase like she's angry and like wanting to lash out and stuff like that. And I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, role-playing-wise, we had discussed the plan but that plan just went sideways and then everyone kind of like during the next session, like I think he even gave us an out. Oh, you were like, are you sure that that's what you want to do? And like, yeah, attack yeah. the ship, you know? Because I think every single one of us forgot what the original plan was, you know? Yeah. The original so, so, plan. So, so, what so, was so, the original just plan? Just a quick word of advice to our audience. If any of you decide to go into D&D and, and, and you're about to do something and your, D, and your DM asks you, are you sure? Seriously reconsider your life at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the original choo-choo, plan choo-choo. was we shoot the sails and we shoot the uh I think they call it the keel of the ship, which is like close to the waterline to disable its mobility. That was what the original plan was. But I think all of us forgot and just yeah, we're just gonna attack the ship and we're just gonna start shooting at it and stuff. Pretty much <laughs> all the things that we were like discussing we were like, okay, that's that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, that just went out the window because everyone forgot what it was. What the 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 plan was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah oh, man, that was memorable. Yeah. 
<laughs> and because of that, all of our characters are now wanted by the empire. Yes, I did. I, I thought you would probably get be wanted at some point in the campaign. I didn't expect for it to happen by the second adventure. <laughs> Jahan, you grossly <laughs> underestimate the tactical inferiority of uh, your players. <laughs> right. We are oh, bad guys. It's, no, it's, it's surprising, you know, because like for me, uh, during NS, like we, we had to go through like combat and stuff like that. I'm a team leader, Jahan. I lead my guys into the combat, you know. I lead my guys into the fray. And I'm making decisions like that in D&D, you know. And it's like, not, not to my own, but I, I was pretty good leader back in the day. I, I think Rahim, like, they, Rahim knows about it, kind, kind of. But I'm still making that kind of decisions kind of, yeah. in D&D because I'm like, yeah, man, this is a whole different world. Like, you know, like, it's totally different, you know. But, and, and then it goes back to me thinking that if it looks good in the movie, it looks good in the game too. But that's mm-hmm. actually not it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. It looks good to be in a jail, huh? <laughs> that Rolf. happened by the second or third adventure. <laughs> so oh, you guys, do you guys have any, any, more, any more questions for me as a DM before we go on to the next, the next topic? No, I'm good, I'm good. Not really. Because like, my only question was like, how, that was just my only question, like how do you make sure mm. that you have things planned out? <laughs> and you answer it well. Okay, it's cool. pretty good. Okay, okay, I have another question for you guys now, right? Yeah. So in so in D and D, right, like the the player will encounter NPCs, which are like non-playable characters. So these mm-hmm. are like characters in the world. Now, naturally, someone has to act and voice these characters. So as a DM, I end up voicing and playing about ten to twenty different characters, mm-hmm. right? So so I want to, to ask you guys, you know, this is just a quick one, like you know, who are your favorite NPCs and what what's been like some of your favorite moments with NPCs? Oh. Okay, you gotta give me a second to think about this, man. <laughs> My favorite NPCs. Hmm. I used to really like Lord really. I used to really like him. But then, he's so... Okay, like, I, I, I think you might want to give a preface, uh, a, a, a description of who Lord, Lord really is and what he does before you continue. It's like this cool headmaster who's like, yo, I'm part of this spy organization who's going to take down the government. And then he's he's a headmaster of the academy, but he's also the leader, one of the leaders of the resistance. And I I, I used to I used to think that damn he's really cool and like mm-hmm. how dependable he is and all that stuff. Yeah. But this is part of like meta gaming. And then because like uh, my character won't interact very yeah. deeply with him because like I'm young, and I never really attended his academy, so it was just like by mm-hmm. a third party, like how Alita introduced. So it was more mm-hmm. like he um he won't talk to me very yeah. seriously. Cause I'm just a child, and the more Alita talked to him, the more I'm just like, damn, this guy is getting shadier and shadier. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nope, I don't know, I don't think so anymore, man. He used to be my favorite character, but that, now that's really not surprising. So much. I'm really surprised to hear that, that Rick was your favorite character. That's, that's interesting. I don't really have any. Character. Okay, how about for you, uh, Ralph? What's okay. your character? For me, I, yeah, I'm not. I don't really have a favorite character, but I do have a, a most hated character. Okay, there's a. Uh, see, you see, okay. I, I, I so, think I know who this is. Yeah. So, <laughs> role playing wise, and in, it, it kind of extends into real life. Role playing wise, I really don't care about the person, so I didn't bother to remember his name. And in real life, I actually really can't remember his name. So, there, there's a dude that's apparently from the same school as Alita, and he's like, I, I can't even remember his name. What was his name? <laughs> it's a, what was his name? <laughs> Steve, it's not that hard to oh, remember. Steve. 
I, I think this is like the fourth or fifth time I've forgotten it because like I, I've discussed it at length with Rahim before and, and then after that, forgotten his name again, yeah. you know? And it's like, for some reason, Alita just doesn't get along with him, you know? It's like, he's, I think like, he, he, I don't know, he just, he just irritates Alita and me as a person, you know? I, I really get so agitated when he's around, you know? Okay, at stealth, okay let's not go so far you. and say he's better than me. He's just better at stealth, which is like oh, a small aspect of D&D, you know? So I was like... So, so let, me, let me explain to the audience. Sure, so Steve, Steve is a character that I didn't intend to create. So what happened with Steve was that the players were in a location. They were on the docks. And I needed some method of bringing them from the docks to a resistance base. So I had the idea of just having this character that we, you know, like reveal himself subtly as a resistance agent and bring them in. So, so this character, like I said, I, I really didn't, he didn't even exist in my mind before, like five minutes before he was needed, right? So when I created the character, I had him interact with Alita and try to hint to Alita that he was from the same school as her and so on and so forth. You know, I had him reveal like the Alita's team name, which not many people know. So at that point, Alita thought that Steve was a fan of hers. She didn't realize that he was trying to tell her something. So I think at that point where the hate started was that I think Steve insulted Alita about how dense she was. Yeah. And I think subsequently, like, just because of how much Alita hated Steve, I kept him around as, as a Yeah. And, you know, okay, he is like <laughs> my most, uh, me and Alita's most hated character. And he's, he, he just narrowly beats Veldora, which is the character for another one of our players uh, his name is mark so the reason why alita has an issue with veldora as well is because veldora insulted her veldora called her a walking std because like alita is always like on a duvet assault course when, yeah. when to whatever town she goes in you know to be fair until until episode three that was true yeah until episode three that was that was kind of true but i mean who who likes to hear the truth about themselves man I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was gone to like a brothel for six hours, but that that's besides the point, you know. Like, it, still, like insulting someone like that, I was like, oh, this guy, I am not gonna get along with him, you know. And so I started calling him names and stuff, and like slowly, slowly, he's kind of like getting off the the most hit list because, like, you know. I guess he's a nice guy and like looking out for Alita so, and stuff. So I, 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 think it, I think it since Veldora's getting <laughs> off that list, Steve has moved to spot number one. Yeah, I mean, he narrowly just beats Veldora for now. Okay, the very interesting thing is, right, the character who Alita hates yeah, is a character who actually likes. Because Nif likes Steve, Nif's like Veldora, because Veldora is really like he's. he's He's a, he's a character who likes to build stuff. And and Nif being a very creative person, he likes to, like, he wants to, like, kind of mirror Veldora. And as a person who likes information, he likes how Steve So knows actually, things. Steve in the, is actually a resistance spy, hence why he's quite good at blending in and so on and so forth. Yeah, he, he blends in by looking like an idiot. <laughs> I'm so agitated right now. <laughs> like, just talking about him just makes me agitated. Oh, I gotta use him more often. <laughs> yeah, this is what D and D does to you when when you when you start to not be able to differentiate between where you, the line is between your character and you. It just all melts together. So what your character hates, you hate eventually. You know. You know. On, on that note, right? Let me ask one thing as well. So usually for for the characters, right? For the most part, I try and do voices for them to try and make them seem different from one another. 
-hmm. It's either I do a voice or I change the way I speak, like how fast I speak, you know, what kind of words I use. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys, like how has the experience been like for you guys? Have you guys even noticed the difference? Has it been helpful? Oh, yes, definitely. We've noticed the difference. You know, like for Alita, when she's talking to Lord Riddick, which is the headmaster of the school she's in, Lord Riddick is always, like you portray him as like very cool, calm, collected guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Even when Alita is like shouting and screaming in his face. And for the viewers out there, I, I, I am literally acting out the scene where I'm like almost like getting up from my seat just to shout in Jahan's face just because of role-playing wise, you know? And Jahan will, will continue to role-play and like, you know, just be calm, cool and collected, you know? And when Jahan is playing, <laughs> Jahan is playing uh, Steve, that's his name, I remember now. It just... I don't know whether is it just like uh, uh, like <laughs> just my imagination or something. He really does sound like an idiot, you know. <laughs> no, no offense to you, Jahan. That's like great voice acting on your part, but he so, really does okay. sound like an idiot to me, you know. Okay. So that I can see the you difference. Know why that is? Like you know why that is? So, um, <laughs> this is because I based Steve off a real life person. Who? <laughs> Now, now, if this if this ever reaches your ears, I'm very sorry. Uh, I based it off Gavin Free from Achievement Hunter. Oh! <laughs> That's why he has a British accent. Oh my god! Oh my god! My stomach it hurts. Oh, it hurts! It hurts so bad. Oh! It, 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 it's, it's like now I pull back the curtain. All the pieces are falling into place. Now it all makes sense. Yeah, it, man. If he's if he's Gavin, I'm like Michael. I'm screaming at the top of my voice, like when I'm in an argument and stuff. Oh my god, my stomach. It hurts. Hey, bro. Oh. I, 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 I mean, that's really interesting to me. I I'm really surprised that really made such a strong impression on both of you, like like in terms of acting. I really didn't. I didn't think that. I I fully expected one of you to mention Hill Western. I'm really surprised. Oh, just for like, me, Hill Western is up there because like. When I'm interacting with Hill Weston, it's like, uh, it's almost like, you know, like he's a bro, you know, he's a, like, he's a nice bro, you know, mm. Th that's the feeling I get when I'm talking to Hill Weston. When I'm talking to Missy, that's like, uh, Missy is another character, which apparently has quite a few interactions with Alita. When I'm talking to Missy, there's always that, um, I would say tension with me mm. in particular, because yeah. I really have to try and figure out like, what is her whole motive, you know? Because like yeah, I don't trust, I didn't trust she, her from the get like Because she's like an information dealer, like just her very nature is like, yeah. Yeah, and so like with the way she talks and stuff is like you know very seductive and like femme fatale kind of thing. So it's like I I have to be on my guard when I'm talking to a person like that. So you know like really when you can see in the voice and you you put a, like a face to the voice and stuff, you really like you can differentiate between each of the individual characters that are in the story itself you know and even for like other npcs that you meet in that, that we've met in the game like uh i think there was the random uh lady i think her name was joanne the one that came to the ship and asked for nifredil to yeah. go and yeah. play. no it's not joanne joanne, joanne oh, was the, the lady uh, what was the name of the use. uh the lady that asked nif to pray for the the, the crazy guy I should know this, but I don't, despite yeah, the fact yeah. I treated her. Yeah, and like, even when we are talking to her, like, I can see, like, she's like, oh, I'm like, hi. Yeah, you know, like, you soften up your voice and like, oh, yeah, I, I saw that you had a design. And it's like, so it really feels different. So, like, every character has their own voice and their own demeanor and, like, how they act. 
So it really mm. helps to bring the character to life in our imaginations. That's what oh, I feel. I, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Like, uh, like yeah, cool. sure, yeah. Okay, just I want to add something. I'm so annoyed at how Rauf's character has not introduced Missy to me. Okay, because I really want to meet her, but I can't meet like him. So I can't. I just want to meet her and then like have a fun conversation with her. But no, he doesn't want to introduce this kid to a black uh, a black no, market okay. dealer. And I'm like, damn it, Rauf. Okay, here's the thing. Alita to... is not ready to have the birds and the bees talk with you. So. Alita is worried that, <laughs> like, she, she tries to keep you away from, like, like when she she's gone off to do, like, you know, the duvet assault course and stuff. But, you know, sooner or later, she does realize that she might have to explain, like, what this is to you. And she's not ready for that. So that's why she's just like, nope. I'm like, if I'm going to meet with Missy, who is, like, very seductive. I'm just gonna do it on my own because I don't want to have to explain to Nifidil like what all that is, you know. <laughs> Kids, okay, just let me explain. Nifidil has oh, yeah, no idea yeah. what sex so, is. So Alita keeps in the dark <laughs> about all this kind of thing because, she, you know, this is not something that she's she's even remotely qualified to explain to him. <laughs> oh, damn. Let me let me let me add a little bit of light to you guys for the for the voices. Mm-hmm. So like um I don't know if you guys know this right, but like I've always liked stories a lot. And um prior to D and D, even prior to me discovering D and D, right? Like I used to always have just like like fan fictions running in my head and things like that. Mm-hmm. But eventually the fan fictions will always evolve into something that was different, you know, something that would become have a life of its own. And mm-hmm. and like for me, D and D's helped a lot because it's given me a way to release from all that. Like, like a lot of the time before, I would not be able to concentrate in school because these fantasies would keep playing in my head. I want to know what happens to the characters and things like that. Mm. Um, and like, when it's all running in my head so often, I start to really be able to see and like visualize, you know, what these characters are like. And I think I've also been inspired a lot by the Adventure Zone, like uh, when I was listening to the podcast and with how the DM there, Griffin, like he really gets each character to have a life of their own. I forget it's Griffin playing them. So I think I wanted to try and emulate that. And I'm very happy that, that some of that's come across. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Let's 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 go on. So just a couple more topics, and we call it a day. We'll call it a day. So let me ask. Actually, I think you guys are gonna like this one. Let me ask you guys about mysteries, right? So that naturally, in any story, I try to create mysteries for you to discover, plot twists, and things like that, right? So, what are some of the most interesting mysteries or revelations that you guys have experienced? There are so many conspiracy theories going through our heads. And we can't confirm which one is what right now. <laughs> there are so many mysteries. Like for Alita, she's she's thinking that her bio, that her father is not actually her biological father. That's okay. I'm not sure where the line is, which is me and which is Alita right now. But I think it's mostly me with the conspiracy theories. But yeah. for Alita, it's like in terms of mysteries. I think for her, it's like. Finding out why her mother kept like the academy and stuff a secret from her. You know, what was so important that she needed to keep Alita away from the academy and stuff. You know? That was I think like in the beginning that was the main mystery for Alita. But mm-hmm. as time went on, it slowly changed into like discovering who the other members of Alita, of her mother's team were. 
and now the biggest mystery is trying to figure out who she is as a person because she's been through quite a lot and and she's just had her eyes opened and now she's really at a crossroads so i think the biggest mystery for alita right now is what the future holds for her because yeah. whatever she had planned is just gone yeah. like what uh, uncle iroh in avatar who are you and what do you want mm. yeah bring in avatar yeah. into this <laughs> It used to be who was my grandmother. And I, me and Rao went to like brainstorm and I accidentally found the answer and it was true. And I don't really well, like that. <laughs> I hate that. Was about, right, about what, that, that she was alive <laughs> or that she was the, the saint? That, no, as that when she started to get sick, that was not my grandmother. Oh. And I hated mm. that it was so, yeah. and I was right. But my my current actually because mm. uh, as a person I really love nature, so the thing that I was actually very interested to know is why are the spirits slash elementals so angry? I am so happy you've asked it, that question. Because um, there was a story in like one of our flashbacks said that the elementals and the spirits used to live in harmony, and like there is this big event where like there's stars happening in the sky or something like that. So one day. They just became super violent, and then there's even like a like a never-ending storm in the sea, and I was like, I want to know why, and like I have prepared a spell just to try to understand why, but it never we have never have not met any of them, mm. so what, I'm like I'm very interested to know why. It's tongues, so that I can try to speak to them. I'm not sure that yeah, it can work, but I'm just gonna try. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh god, I'm so happy you've asked that question. I have been doing elementals so often. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys much, right? Um, so far, whenever you found elemental, there has been there's a similarity between every time you encounter yeah, an elemental. It. Close, but not quite. Damn. Anyway, moving on. I think I think from from, from me from, from a personal standpoint, like like to hear guys talk about that. Like I mean, I know the answers to these questions, right? Like I know the answer to the mystery of like um. Like Alita's mother's team member and the, and the mystery behind the elemental things like that. So I'll say this, like about these two mysteries, is a little teaser for you both. What? I, I think like no, no no I think it's more like your reactions that like oh. <laughs> for for Alita's team members like like Alita's mother's team members right like I'm looking forward to guys when you guys learn that one because uh, let's just say okay let's just say this like. Actually, no, you know what? I can't, I can't see anything. Oh, no. <laughs> Jahan, I was at the edge of my seat. I was like leaning into my computer, even though I couldn't see your face. I was like, let me hear this. Come on. <laughs> but I, okay, okay, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think you guys are, are both focused on very interesting mysteries. Like of the mysteries presented, mm-hmm. I think those two have some of the most satisfying answers. Oh, Okay. Rahim, after this, we got more conspiracy theories to discuss about them. <laughs> well, I actually have a very, I have a, I have a agenda to all of the NPCs that Jahan is throwing to us. Oh. I want all of these NPCs to fall in love with Nifredil's child, like the, the childlike essence of Nifredil. Oh, thank you, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Nifredil's child. I was like, what? What do you yeah. mean? Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. What? what are you guys talking about? Yeah, I was like. <laughs> Nifredil's child, I was thinking like, 
Is no, it no, no, like no. next campaign? Like after no, this no. whole thing or what? <laughs> I just want everybody to fall in love with Nifred Dillon. How he's such a child and pure and innocent. Okay. You should have led with that, man. You should have led with that. Not with Nifredil's child and then full stop. No, I was trying to... Wait, what? I was trying to get the sentence in my head. My brain's a little bit slow now since it's night. I'm just like, uh, what is the correct word for all of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the next question I was going to ask you guys was about like, uh, what were the biggest emotional gut punches? But I think, but I think we've already covered that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. The, the moment where I from Alita is like the moment like she finds out like you know this person sitting in front of her making her wounds is Aggie and that like you know Alita is finally realizing that she's selling the memory of her mother and hurting the people that loved her and her mother that was a huge gut, gut punch to me man that was like that that kind of like I, I kind of resonated with it because I did go through something like that in, in real life so yeah, that Ooh, somebody that, been a bad boy resonated with me. Yeah, man, I was a very different person back in the day, man. I was really a different person back in the day. So like that moment for Alita resonated with me. So I was like, I, I could feel that, you know, I not just through method acting, but like I know, man. It's like if I could like physically touch Alita's shoulder and say, I know how it feels, you know, like I would do that. For me, it's it's the same scene as like the the scene where it's the most memorable where Nif met his grandmother. That mm. was the most gut punching is because he found out that his like his one and only family member is alive. But he has to leave her back, like he has to send her back to where she is she like is full of danger and she can't even protect herself because of a circlet on her head, which is stopping her from using any form of magic. And then she's just like She's going back to the enemy territory alone. And I'm just like, oh, I'm useless if I go to help you now. I'm just like, ah, I just want to hug you, man. It's like my grandmother. Oh, man. Like, this this next few sessions are going to be so tantalizing. (laughs) Uh, For for both of you, for both of you. Like, for for Nif, probably sooner than later. And for Alita, when when she she meets the last member of the team, of the mother's Uh, team, Sunshine... uh, gonna be a thing oh that's gonna be a heartache man mm. okay okay let me okay, i think tell you what we've been going for just over an hour now so i think like, we're gonna, we, we can call it soon so maybe i just think like you know just in terms of closing thoughts right like assuming by some miracle we actually get listeners more than one person listens to this podcast okay you know what do you want people to know about dnd like you know from your whole experience with dnd what would you like to tell people about about it you know what's the message you wanted them to take away D and D is yeah, about then... having fun. Like there are rules, there are there are things that needs to be done. But end of the day, it's all about having fun. So don't don't be so strict on the rules, man. Just relax and just have fun. Let your DM be the ruler, even though it might be wrong. But it's okay. It's just having fun. That's my ending rule. I mean, that's my end speech. So, D&D, like looking at it from the outside, D&D may seem very intimidating at first. You know, you might not understand it, like just looking at people playing it, but give it a chance, you know, just sit down through a game, have a feel of it and stuff. Because it is quite liberating for you to like, 
you know, just role play and act it out. In my opinion, it's very liberating to be able to do that. So give it a chance. Don't get intimidated by it. You know, there's definitely going to be like friends of yours who have played it and stuff. It just they're just keeping it a secret from you. Find those friends and like just ask them. You know, like don't be afraid. Just ask them. Hey, okay, we want to be the secret. I mean, I don't know. Some people are like they choose to be closet nerds. You know, I okay. know someone who's a closet nerd. You know, he is cool. like I, I can't tell you that that because that would be you know that would be mean. But you know the person? No, I'm not the person. Man, I'm openly nerd. No, I do. I know the person. Oh yeah, you do know the person. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So don't be intimidated by it. Like just. Don't don't be afraid to just ask your friends like, hey, can you explain what D and D is to me? Most of the time, I can guarantee they'll be more than happy to explain it out to you. And even while they're explaining it to you, it may still seem intimidating. Don't oh. worry about it. Just give it a chance. You know, you will not regret it. Just give it a chance and have fun with it. I th- I think maybe I might I might add a little bit onto that. That like you know I think like if your you know if your first D and D experience isn't a good one, like you know yeah. It's it's okay to stop and it's okay to like you know try and try and find a different group of things like that like mm-hmm. like to be to be very honest for me right like um, it may seem strange since I played D and D longer than either of you but I'm I'm enjoying be playing D and D as a DM the most because I think like I have you guys as a group mm-hmm. so like like in the in the past right like I played with groups where like they they didn't like me doing a voice you know or they, or they, they didn't like me doing certain things mm-hmm. and then that made me feel very very stifled as a player yeah. I understand. And, Mm. And in certain circumstances as well, that like there were there were just things that happened that, that that sickened me a lot. And like in terms of like how the story was going based on like certain reactions, like okay, I'll give you an example, right? Which is that um I was once playing this character that was a pirate, right? And he and he's very morally ambiguous. Like he will do the right thing, but at at whatever cost is necessary. So because of that, right, like he gained a reputation in the in the guild, like not a very good reputation. Like you know, like 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 he never he never outright killed an innocent person, but he has killed unarmed people before for the greater good and things like that. Oh, you were like, what's that guy in the Avengers? The um, black guy with an eye patch. <laughs> Nick Fury. Nick Fury. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's worse than me forgetting who's what's his name again. Hey, you know what? Let's Steve. Yeah, Steve. My God, man, it's, we're in the same like, half an hour. Like we were talking about him half an hour ago. Anyway, anyway, so like, uh, yeah, so like in that so situation, right? So then, like, there was one adventure where we were sent on an extremely hard mission, and it was later revealed that the guild had sent on a suicide mission in the hopes of my character dying. And mm. yeah, and and like you know, and and that was like the moment that like I I really I, I lost a lot of motivation to play that character because you know like I was like I was just trying trying to to do what like you know what you guys are doing now like you know just immerse yourself and play a character you know and I do my best to make sure that the character is never going to be in opposition to the party right mm-hmm. that's why he's not an evil character you know he doesn't just kill innocent people like he kills with with reason and even then only in extreme circumstance but he does lie and he does cheat a lot for the greater good that kind of thing and i had a lot of fun playing him but like it, it just i felt very very repressed with the with the, the group that i had at the time mm. you know so i think like for me i really enjoy this campaign because i now get to really play these characters and really become these characters like i like the roping element a lot you know, like whenever I'm the headmaster or whenever I'm doing Hill Western, uh, and even now Aggie is quite unique as well to me. Like, it, it's nice because I can just slip into them and like, it's so fascinating to play a character that does things that I know I would not do. But yet, when I'm playing this character, I have to believe I can do these things. And, and it's just so interesting to do that sometimes. 
Mm, yeah. So yes, yeah. So I think just just going back, like, I think like what Raul said, like you know, it's it's if you just ask about ask around, like you know, maybe somewhere you don't play DAD, maybe not, maybe you want to get together with a group of friends. There are like pre-written modules that you can just take and just try. If the prospect of writing a whole world is a bit daunting, but you know, I, I think it's fine to try and also like give yourself a bit of, of a break and understand as well that like. D&D is a very open-ended kind of thing. Like, you know, if you're not having a good time for whatever reason, it's fine to step back, you know, and try and figure out why you're not having a good time and what can you do to try and get there, you know? You can always try and talk to your fellow party members and DM. You can try and find a different group, like, you know? But I think, yeah, you know, just look into it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think I think we'll we'll call it for there. So, okay, cool. I think maybe, maybe then I might stick with this. All right, so I think, uh, thank you guys for coming. Sorry you went a little bit of overtime today than what I yeah, promised. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And I, I think I had a lot of fun doing this. Maybe we might do this again sometime after we've had a couple more adventures. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I definitely sessions you meant. <laughs> I think I definitely want to do another one, both at the halfway point of this, the current story arc you're on, as well as at the end of the story arc. I I can't wait for you guys to get to the end because then I can actually tell you guys about how much of this was written for you. Uh, anyway, we'll, 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 we'll get to the bridge when we come to it. <laughs> okay. okay, so thank you guys. Uh, for any, any listeners that were listening, again, I don't know how you found this. I'm grateful you're listening. If you like it, I'll be doing a couple, a couple more of these at least. So yeah, that's all for now. See ya. Right, see ya. Bye.